Hello, Vitamizers, and welcome back to another episode of the How Do You Health podcast. I'm Allison here in Austin, Texas with MSW Lounge, and we are so excited to bring you this guest today. This was a really in-depth episode, as you can probably already tell by the title of the podcast. But before we jump into it, a couple quick things as always. MSW Lounge, the uh, people bringing you this podcast, um, is a local... Uh, Westlake Hills in Austin, Texas business. Um, They provide a variety of services, including vitamin shots, IVs, the whole Slenderella family, concierge medicine, chiropractic, massage therapy, a vitamin drink bar, and tons of other local company offerings for ways to clean up your health and naturally stay that way for a long time. Find out more at www.mswlounge.com. Slenderella is another sponsor of this podcast, and they are a vitamin shot and IV blend uh, company that was designed to help your liver function optimally. It got its name when the creators started noticing that liver detox was causing many clients to lose weight. Now there is a whole line of different Slenderella blends that you can customize for your needs, as well as a supplement line to support all of your Slenderella goals. You can find distributors and more information at www.slenderellausa.com. This podcast is produced by Flabs to Fitness, Inc. Flabs to Fitness is an online wellness company that specializes in mindful eating, personalized workout programs, and offers a subscription workout program for 20-minute workouts you can do anywhere. It's also a social media content firm for creation and scheduling of content and engagement with your fans on a variety of platforms, including this podcast. Find out more at www.flabs2fitness.com. That's F-L-A-B-S-T-O fitness.com. Last but not least, we are sponsored by Athletic Outcomes. Athletic Outcomes is Austin's boutique wellness studio focusing on functional fitness and sports recovery. Located in Southeast Austin, AO provides services such as personal training, group classes, pre and postnatal training, nutrition coaching, massage therapy, chiropractic, recovery, compression boots, and MSW lounge vitamin shots. It's your one-stop shop for health and fitness. Check them out on social media at Athletic Outcomes to stay up to date on their events and programs. Okay. Our guest today is Zach Nasser, and this episode was incredible. I just kind of let the boys go and <laughs> rant, as they're so good at doing. Um, they they talked about methylation and a whole host of other nutrition things. Zach is a nutrition expert, and when I say that, I am saying it as a certified nutrition coach myself. He is millennia beyond what I understand. He gets really into the nitty-gritty he loves biohacking he loves staying up to date on all the latest stuff whether it's mainstream or fringe he can talk for probably forever on any of these things so when we get him down a rabbit hole it it goes for miles um i'm just gonna let these guys take it away you're really gonna enjoy this episode um if you're interested in nutrition or biohacking or cell function at all so here is zach nasser on the how do you health podcast all right, guys, welcome to the How Do You Health podcast. Uh, we, I don't even know what episode we're on, but this is a good one. Today, we're going to have uh, Zach Nazar here. He's a health enthusiast and coach and all things transformation Transformation specialist. There we go. Dude, we, met, we met Zach over, uh, John and I met Zach over at uh, the Entrepreneur FX event prior to Paleo FX, and we just connected. We just said hi to each other, and like, what do you do? It's like, oh, dude, we're kind of like doing the same thing. Thing, and then we just kind of geeked out for like 10 minutes and then it's like oh and then you guys should meet and then it just turned into a cool little relationship and then he came on our podcast with our first podcast with Kevin and he kind of just chimed in a couple because you work with him too right I mean you do mm-hmm. a little bit of yeah, contracting work with him some guest blogging stuff and uh, <clears throat> yeah some work on podcasts cool. and content and then we have Nurse Doza so we also have Nurse Doza here we're going to be talking about a little bit of everything so vitamins minerals antioxidants methylation i think we're going to call this methylation 101 just for those of you that uh want to get introduced into like what exactly it is that's going on in our bodies um biochemically right yeah well methylation sounds like a big uh something project uh methylation sounds like a big scary word for something that's actually really simple and amazing and why is it so important? One of the big things is that it modulates a lot of the flows of dopamine and serotonin and melatonin in your brain. So 
dopamine, you feel motivated and inspired to do stuff. Serotonin, we feel happy and more connected to people. We feel like we're more ourselves. Melatonin helps regulate our sleep cycles. So like when people talk about methylation or having methylation problems, like the MTHFR gene, that's one of the first things they kind of see is mood decline, sleep being thrown off, anxiety, depression, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so when people talk about the MTHFR and methylation and all of that stuff, it's a big contributing factor to just feeling good and feeling like on your like you're on your A game. So I mean, there's really a like a simple payoff there if you're wondering like how am I going to benefit from knowing this stuff? That's a big one. Is just feeling awesome and you know not having to um, yeah not having not having to rely so much on external things to like feel great because naturally like because if, if we're depleted in those neurotransmitters then like no matter what accomplishments you make or the people you have in your life and that kind of thing it all feels kind of lackluster and gray uh the way i got started on this is um so i used to be like 280 pounds and pre-diabetic and on all kinds of medications for asthma and allergies and all these different problems that i had for the podcast um, listeners how tall are you how tall am i yeah six one Okay. Just uh, as a, he said 280, so it was... Yeah, it was... I was... I was... I was uh, still big regardless of how damn tall But it wasn't like was, 280, so like muscular, like football player. No, I was 100 pounds heavier and dying like an old person. Yeah, when you I were LeBron young. James, 6'9", 280, all, like no. 10% body fat. Right? No, yeah. no, I was going downhill <laughs> fast. I was going to die like an old person as a young person. Um, but so for me, a big thing with the methylation is hormone balance like uh, the book I'm writing right now is about hormone balancing uh, that'll come out later but methylation is huge for that it's getting the liver to actually clear out a lot of this junk from BPA from plastics uh, xenoestrogens from pesticides and personal care products uh, things like phthalates and parabens and all these things you know that basically tell your body hey put on fat hey be, you know, estrogenic, be overly sensitive emotionally and neurologically. Like, it just throws off um, all of these different things. So, I mean, like, methylation sounds like a big scary thing, but it's a huge key to feeling great and really bringing your A game. Oh, yeah. I yeah. just want to say, anytime I hear the word liver, like, on the podcast, I just want to be like, word of the day, you know, like, <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, just the streamers come down, yeah, all the lights yeah. go up. well, yeah, we talk about it all the time, because methylation happens in the liver, right, I mean, it occurs predominantly in the liver, and I was going to ask you, because now, like, the, the introduction is to what methylation stands for, it's not a scary thing, right, it's more like, this is just how our body Functions. This is how we metabolize things. Um, one of the things that we talk about always in here is methyl, methylation and liver detox because they are the same thing, but the ingredients that involve methylation is very uh, expansive, right? Like you talk about all the vitamins and the cofactors and the different antioxidants that are involved in the methylation cycle. You're looking at something that extends far beyond the liver, right? And because like you talked about neurotransmitters, neurotransmitters are the brain, right? And then the funny thing about it, too, is we think about the gut as the second brain, so guess what? Duodenum produces serotonin, about 95, 98% of our bodies, so irritable gut, uh, irritable brain, right? And so now I was talking to Walter the other day about the, the gut-brain-liver access that's being talked about now, which is cool. You and I know this has been like going on forever. It's like you don't have to put a label on it because there was a connection, but like I was going to ask you in a sense of the methylation deal, I've always understood it as it's necessarily... It's not necessarily the ingredient itself, one of it's going to cause the whole reaction. It's going to be that the idea is that you're trying to cause methylation to occur, and it's not necessarily you need it from just methyl B9 or methyl B12. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, so, so like the methyl B9 and the methyl B12 can help because they can donate methyl groups to things, but they also, like you're saying, catalyze different reactions. Like, um, like homocysteine, for example, like everybody okay so not everybody who has high cholesterol has a heart attack but everybody who has elevated everybody who has a heart attack has elevated homocysteine because it's it's hardening the arteries and all this stuff and homocysteine is just missing a methyl group and so like when you have b12 like sure it can donate a methyl ion but even other forms of b12 can catalyze that reaction of converting 
uh, homocysteine back into methionine, and methionine is known as the universal methylator, which helps the neurotransmitters. So, I mean, it's, yeah, having methylation occur, so those enzymatic processes, the cofactors like the B vitamins, mm -hmm. as well as certain uh, nutrients, like certain amino acids and that kind of thing that are really important for keeping these cycles going. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's, and there's a lot of different sources, but I think, like, one really interesting thing, because, we, you know, we were talking about the gut and the liver and also the brain, and now we're bringing up homocysteine, that it's the cardiovascular right. system, that it starts hardening. Um, like betaine, uh, mm -hmm. anhydrous, or trimethylglycine, it has three methyl groups. Mm -hmm. You know, we get that from like beets and spinach and even wheat and other foods. But like, um, if you don't have enough of that betaine, then your body will steal choline from your brain. Because choline's a tetramethylator, it has four methyl groups. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, again, your body will... will Rob from Peter to pay Paul and try to like make this stuff happen so you don't die and you survive. Right. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, the brain fog as well as like cardiovascular health, your body's going to try to make it happen. So, I mean, vitamins are a huge key to that and also just foods. So, what, it's interesting because you mentioned something about um, um, homocysteine missing something to go back to methionine right is that which is mm -hmm. and we have i've always seen it like where like methionine can turn into homocysteine mm -hmm. which is for the same reason i guess yeah because it can it can go down into homocysteine and then the homocysteine can become cysteine and cystothionine and glutathione or it can be recycled back up into methionine. yeah it's essentially like a circle like a, a cycle within the methylation cycle right so there's like multiple cycles that make up the methylation cycle, right? So it's like that kind of general. Methylation is like like calling every supplement a vitamin, right? It's just very general, right? Like there's antioxidants, there's minerals, trace minerals, stuff like that. And this kind of leads into what I was going to ask too. It's funny, we test methylation. Like we, like Baldo has his gene tested. I have mine. Ours are double A, double T, and you know, one of the worst. And it's funny because we methylate in a way that we get low serotonin, low dopamine. And so the vitamins for us, the methylation aspect boosts our mood. It can detoxify us and give us energy. But when people for the past 10 years have been tested for methylation, they test it specifically for the MTHR gene, right? And so the, it's talking about methyl tetrahydrofolic acid, right, which is B9. And they've said, oh, I metabolize B9 incorrectly. My doctor told me to take methyl B9. Mm. And I said, and what else? Yeah, yeah. And they're like, well, that, that's it, right? Like, I just, I just need methyl B9 and my methylation cycle will work, right? So, yeah, so it's crazy because there's actually a, a prescription drug that I think it's like, it's a massive dose of like the methylfolate, the methyl B9, the P5 methyl B12, and P5P. Yeah, yeah. Um, I forget what it's called. But uh, anyway, what I've seen with, with my clients and other people that I've heard stories from, these horror stories, is they will take these, okay, massive doses. And the reason I say massive doses is like your daily methylfolate or is like maybe like 400 micrograms is 100%. Sure. But, like, um, lots of different practitioners are, yeah, just take, like, five milligrams a day. And so it kind of writes a lot of those neuronal pathways for a while. Uh -huh. um, so I hear from people that they feel amazing. They're like, I felt so great. Like, I just felt so happy and motivated right. and all this stuff for, like, the first week or two. And then a big thing that happens is then once you get kind of that stuff in balance, the excess of all those nutrients your body starts using them, the extra methyl groups to start detoxing the liver and purging all this junk from it. Um, so then they start to feel terrible, they feel like crap, they feel like this huge um, downward spiral in how they feel. So they feel like amazing and then they start detoxing and feel terrible. Uh, so Dr. Kendall Stewart, who I think is actually based in Austin, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, um, the big thing that he talks about is using the, the sort of other side of methylation, the transsulfuration pathway, getting the N-acetylcysteine, getting the glutathione and other things like that to lower the inflammation because otherwise if your liver just starts dumping all this stuff and um, you can feel really crappy. One reason why is because your liver will start purging these xenoestrogens and xenobiotics and all these toxins that we get from plastics, personal care products, and um, pesticides and that kind of thing. And a lot of times if, if you don't have like some kind of binding agent or something absorbent, you'll purge all this stuff from the liver, it ends up sitting in the colon, and then it gets back in the bloodstream, and then it starts getting filtered back out again, 
And so he gets stuck in this thing of purging, reabsorbing, and purging, and reabsorbing. And does he know estrogen is something that behaves like estrogen in the body, correct? Yeah, it yeah. behaves like estrogen in the body, but it's a foreign compound. So the biggest, the most famous one is BPA, uh, bisphenol A, which that's why we see all the BPA-free plastic out today, because people are like, oops, that's yeah. bad. We yeah. realize it's a yeah, big problem. Yeah. Yeah. But so, yeah, I mean... The methyl donors is really important, and those B vitamins are really important, but then also keeping the inflammation levels in balance and making sure you're actually really getting all this stuff out of the body yeah. is a big key. We always find it interesting when we give someone like a Slenderella shot, which has methylcobalamin in it, not methyl B9, but we'll give the same exact formula to someone, maybe a, their spouse. One's really hyper and happy, and the other one says, I crashed, and I felt like, crap. And they kind of get upset because they're like, well, my significant other felt great. I wanted to feel like that. Why did I feel like this? I said, you detoxed. Yeah, yeah. And there was a good friend of ours, Guillermo, uh, who has told us that... 30, 30 strong? There's basically the idea that they over And it's interesting because I think a lot of times you have this weird way of, of, of pinpointing you're either over or under Right, it's just concrete. You over, you under and I get where they're coming from. And from his standpoint, you metabolize the B nine and B twelve so quickly that you got your energy, but then you detox very quickly, right? So you move directly into stage two where you're detoxing, right? They don't like that part. Most people who are detoxing, they feel like they have an autoimmune disorder or something. They feel like crap. It's like yeah, yeah. you detox opioids. You get sick. You get upset, nausea, headaches. You throw up. You just, you know, maybe get acne. You know, it just it happens that way. But you know, if you take it one step further, I don't think necessarily it's just that methyl B9 and methyl B12 are the only answer. Like you said, I've always understood it as there's so many components to these methylation cycle uh, that are going on that you need to understand that genetic factors are going to play a role in how you put anything in your body, right? So, for example, why do some people uh, get asthma when they eat a peanut when someone else doesn't get that same asthma when they eat the same peanut, right? It's just, it's weird. Why did this person super happy when they got B12 and this person was super down, right? I think also it's interesting to see when you start giving people like antioxidants, how they respond, right? Because you talked about the, tan the trans-sulfur pathway. The antioxidants are something that should be always produced in the body, right? And you and I know this well, Baldo's understood glutathione to be you know, the most potent antioxidant out there, but um, you get it from broccoli, right? You get, you get a source of it like that. You can produce it on its own from N-acetylcysteine. Um, but what I've learned, which is really interesting, is that you need antioxidants as much as you need inflammation. Yeah, 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 right? exactly. And so you need inflammation for the methylation cycle to work, right? Yeah, well, and yeah, for your brain to work, for your immune system to work. So the way I like to talk about the inflammation or the oxidative stress on a cellular level is, is it's like feedback loop, yep. you know? So I mean like... Uh, the mitochondria, they call the powerhouse of the cells that basically convert all the energy from one form to another. When they're producing energy, which is a good thing, ATP, uh, we like ATP, but they're also producing these reactive oxygen species as kind of a, an exhaust sort of a byproduct. Yeah. Know? And uh, whenever too much of those start to accumulate in the cells, you get, you know, basically... Um, in a small amount, you get like autophagy, where you, which means self-eating. So parts of mitochondria and other parts of the cell might self-detonate, so that those things can be recycled and repurposed. Uh, if that gets out of hand, it can be necrosis, which is really not good. Um, so like a little bit of oxidative stress shows your body like, okay, we need to clean up stuff here. We need to fix this up over here, and it basically gives your body signals of like, hey, pay attention, because there's something out of balance here. Um, but it's it's good. I mean, it's a good thing in a small amount because then your body knows where to allocate resources and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, if it goes unchecked and it goes long term, that's when you start to see the bad things like necrosis where many, many cells all start to die or we see many of the issues like um, chronic oxidative stress is now one of the causal factors of cardiovascular disease and stroke and atherogenesis and Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and all of these long-term degenerative illness um, the way Dr. Sarah Gottfried puts it, I love it, is like anytime it goes over three days, like those those fires haven't been put out for over three days, that's when it starts to cause problems. Yeah. So like the immune system as well, the white blood cells, they use O1, you know, it's really powerful reactive oxygen species, and it's like 
it's like a flamethrower. Imagine your house. Your your house has like, you know, cameras all over it, and your security system, your like your immune system in your body, is like flamethrowers, and it's like anything, an injury or a break in or whatever, you know, it's flamethrowering everything, and it kills all the bad guys. But then you need fire extinguishers, the antioxidants to come and put sure. out those fires, because yeah. otherwise it's just gonna burn your whole house down. Yeah. So. Um, but your immune system as well. I mean, I, it, it's not just your immune system, but your whole healing mechanism. They they did studies with like curcumin from turmeric and resveratrol from um, red grapes and things like that, where if they megadose people on that stuff every single day, um, somebody has an injury and inflammation, it'll get rid of the inflammation, but then it turns off the sort of fire alarms going off in the body that says, hey, we need to rebuild that because there's a problem mm -hmm. there. So it, it can actually slow the healing process if your body is so, so low in inflammation that it doesn't know what's really going on. I mean, so it's it's like... Because someone is like, oh, it's fixed, right? Yeah, it's all good. But I, I almost beg to wonder, could you ever achieve that? Like, would you ever say, I have too many antioxidants in my body? I, I don't, for most people, I think it's, the vast majority of people, I think it's the exact opposite. Right, there's it's, not enough. There's not enough, and that's why we see all these diseases on the rise, and we have so many different pollutants in the air and in our houses. Like, like indoor air pollution is seven to ten times worse than outdoor air pollution because of our detergents and Lysol and all these things that are just, you know, stuff in the drywall and benzene and stuff like that. Yeah. So most people have the opposite, and we have all this chronic disease on the rise. Um, but, you know, I mean, to me, I just kind of see it as keeping it in balance. It's like, like exercise, you know, we get that inflammation and that stress, but then our bodies rebuild stronger, you know, yeah. but if you have like, if you're working out so much that you're getting an injury and now you're like, oh man, it's been hurting me all week. Yeah. It's like, that's kind of a sign of like it going too far in one direction. Yeah. So it's kind of, you know, you start feeling a little crappy you can take some more antioxidants and get back to baseline and then you know have some other you stress yeah. to kind of rebuild your body what's funny about it is like the atp cycle like the production of that even like there's a byproduct of of free radicals even from produ production of our currency of energy atp right and so what baldo and i talked about one time was methylation involving the electron transport chain right because you talked about mitochondrial right well all of this is occurring in the side of a cell right all this methylation is occurring i mean it's going on specifically more in the liver but you can have b12 that goes and travels and eventually converts over to you know or helps reduce glutathione that crosses the blood brain barrier right and so you're you're reducing inflammation up in the brain as well but uh the electron transport chain is involved with coq10 which is another antioxidant right and that's what's funny is in the world of talking about antioxidants and free radical damage, people don't always relate it to immunity, right? But essentially, if you think about immunity as not just when you feel sick or when you have a cold, but immunity as in saying, like, I can fight off the common stressors that I deal when driving through traffic or the stressors of fluorescent light when it comes down or even the stressors of medication, right? Like, think about stress for medications that cause the deficiencies and depletions of certain things, statins, for example, like cholesterol pills, are reducing the amount of CoQ10 in the body. And CoQ10 is, like I said, antioxidant, but it protects the brain, eyes, and heart, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you get medication, you're going to cause a deficiency of something somewhere, right? And because the methylation cycle is so important, anytime you take a medication as a byproduct, right? The byproduct for when you take a vitamin, the byproduct is you produce glutathione, which is an antioxidant. You produce ATP for energy, serotonin, dopamine for your brain health. You take metformin for your diabetes, you deplete your B12 levels. Mm -hmm. You take a, a PPI like uh, protonics, right? Or you take something for indigestion. You know, all those Zyrtec commercials and all that that basically are just reducing this inflammation. Uh, essentially, it's saying, well, why is the inflammation occurring to begin with, right? And it's not necessarily that, oh, they don't wash their hands enough, they're not sanitary, you know, they're not eating the right thing. It's saying, no, they're not getting the right vitamins in their system because it's not producing the right antioxidants. And it's more like, if you think about the preventative aspect, everyone should be taking antioxidants on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Like, you should be doing something to detox every single day because your detox is essentially your methylation cycle. And for that extent, I could tie almost anything back to methylation, right? 
I mean, everything mm-hmm. that occurs in the body, hormones. Yeah. Enzymes. Hormone, yeah, enzymes. I mean, because, so the detoxing is a big part of it, but the, the same, they're called the cytochrome P450 enzymes or the CYPs, but those same enzymes that detox our liver, they activate the, the water-soluble vitamin A into fat-soluble vitamin A, so it helps with your brain and your eyes and neurons and that kind of thing. And then it also turns um, vitamin D into the active form of vitamin D. And now they're saying vitamin D is more of a pro-hormone than a vitamin now. Yeah. And uh, there's studies in Canada that show that it also offsets depression just because it has such a sort of uplifting and immune-enhancing kind of function. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean those same things that detox us also activate certain nutrients, activate metabolism, activate the brain and the hormones and all this stuff. So yeah, you could tie pretty much everything back to, to methylation. And there's there's a lot of foods that have that kind of thing in there. I mean, I, I still also like to, I like to, to take the supplements as well and that kind of thing. Now, the reason why I tie it back to food is like you were talking about broccoli and glutathione. So some of the things that are important for glutathione production besides certain amino acids are like uh, vitamin C and vitamin E and selenium. And so, um, as well as the sulfur, which is in the broccoli. And so it's like the broccoli has the sulfur and high vitamin C and high vitamin E and high selenium and all yeah. this stuff. So it like, the nature kind of packages a lot of these cofactors um, together with it to enhance that product. Uh, but that being said, we over farm, we put all kinds of pesticides and other things into the soil and deplete the soil. So like the food we used to eat is nowhere near as good as the food we're eating now as far as like nutrient uh, profiles. The other thing is we've been dumping all kinds of pollution and stuff into the atmosphere. So what a hundred years ago people could get by on just food, now we're coming to a point in history where it's like you kind of really need the supplements in addition to a healthy diet yeah. because of all that depletion. I mean, you compromised digestive systems. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you're not absorbing it and stuff, and and like glutathione, like you were saying, like. Aging can deplete our levels of glutathione. Stress can deplete our levels of glutathione. Pollutants and xenobiotics can can deplete our glutathione. Certain medications can deplete our glutathione. So like Tylenol, Tylenol is why acetaminophen directly depletes glutathione. I mean that's why. You know what? I honestly I think that's why you can die from acetaminophen is because it literally kills your liver to where it depletes glutathione levels. I mean that's important. And now you're going to detox after that. So like for example. When someone overdoses off acetaminophen, what's the medication given? It's acetylcysteine. It's NAC. NAC yeah. A liver detoxer, which is the precursor to what? Glutathione. You know? I think that a lot of times, all the pesticides and, and all the, the xenoestrogens you're talking about, I think what happens is it disrupts the, the it mutates the, the pathways in that methylation cycle, right? So, for example, someone who, going back to the peanut allergy, what if that person says, Oh, I didn't have allergies when I was younger, but all of a sudden I do now. Why is that the case now? I didn't used to be allergic before, but now I'm allergic. Or why I was allergic before and now I'm not. So it's more that something's mutated, and in that pathway, things have now shifted. So for example, let's say, go back to homocysteine. Homocysteine is an inflammatory marker, blood panel, specifically for heart health, right? We talked about the inflammation line. It's also very specific for the brain. Okay, it's very specific for inflammation of the brain. It is one of the key markers for Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you have Alzheimer's and you have homocysteine that's elevated, that's an indication that you're at risk, whether you're 30 years old, whether you're 20 years old, whether you're 60 years old, right? So how do you reduce homocysteine, right? You basically go to the methylation cycle and you say, we're going to break up homocysteine because it's inflammatory. So if that means reduce the amount of methionine that's being produced into homocysteine. Or if it means going in there and saying, hey, your methionine is somehow getting mutated into this pathway and it's causing the inflammatory pathway, which is known as homocysteine. But if we give you TMG, then all of a sudden we're never going to get that homocysteine. But if we give you P5P, now we're going to be able to take that homocysteine and turn it to NAP, right? And it's funny because you were probably born with the ability to be able to do that on your own. But if you stand in front of a microwave long enough, I guarantee you won't be able to do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, so there's the potential (laughs) mutation of the genes. And then there's also, so there's this weird thing that I heard 
recently uh, from a guy who's, who's like kind of a fringe guy, but the reason why I, it's Anthony William, the medical medium, uh, who, the reason I say fringe is because he's channeling spirit about this, but so, that being said, the reason why I listened to him is I was like, he's like, there's like 50 forms of uh, Epstein-Barr virus, 50 plus forms of Epstein-Barr virus that medical establishment doesn't know about, and that there's no such thing as autoimmunity, your body's attacking these stealth infections, and I was like, okay, that's weird. Uh, Specific but, to Epstein-Barr? Uh, so he's talking about multiple sclerosis, he's talking about chronic or fibromyalgia, lupus, and all this stuff. He's like, these are stealth infections in the body, and so I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. But then I started studying this guy, Professor Marshall, Professor Trevor Marshall, who's a very allopathic, like, Western medicine practitioner. Mm-hmm. And so he started talking about the vitamin D receptor, and he said there are certain types of infections, like Epstein-Barr, uh, Lyme disease, um, HIV, Ebola, black mold, candida, albicans, which is yeast infections, um, can, they do this process called biomimicry, where they produce similar compounds as vitamin D and block off the receptor, so when vitamin D hits that receptor, your cells produce like 220 plus antibodies, and it activates your immune system. So what they do is they make similar compounds and basically turn off your immune system in certain areas of the body, and so they... They have this weird ability where this is why usually we see somebody with autoimmune disease. The reason why I study this is because we're not very good at treating autoimmune disease in Western medicine. We suck. We do. I mean, well, and viruses, but uh, both of those things. Um, A lot of the antivirals just don't work very well. And what we see with autoimmune people is they're like, you have Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And then they'll start treating that, and then they'll get all these other crazy symptoms. And then they'll be like, oh, you have lupus, oh, you have Sjogren's, oh, you have this. And yeah. they, just, they end up diagnosing you with four or five different things, and the symptoms are always changing. And since we're always trying to treat the symptoms, yeah. we just keep giving them more medications or more diagnoses. Sure. Um, but so one of the things that Anthony Williams said, the reason why I started looking into this, is because I started to see that, like, okay, maybe the guy's not totally full of crap because their Western medicine practitioners are kind of starting to see these kinds of things. But... One of the things he says is that one of his clients, they tested, uh, you know, uh, positive for the like the homozygous recessive MTHFR gene. So they had very low methylation, and then, um, like after four years of doing these protocols to clear out heavy metals and stop viral replication and that kind of stuff, it switched, it switched where the methylation was activated again. And I was like, what, what? what? Is that, is that possible? And so it, it, I started to wonder, I was like, maybe, I mean, if, vi- if viruses can do biomimicry to outcompete certain receptors in our cells, maybe they can make epigenetic changes, maybe, maybe that's advantageous to their evolution, that they could turn off methylation pathways uh, the same way that they might be turning off certain thyroid pathways in Hashimoto's, so that maybe they are switching these things to kind of turn off the immune system in other ways to protect themselves in certain areas of the body. Now again, that's just a theory, but the reason I was the reason I opened my eyes to it, I was like, what? Is because they did a test. They did a, a like allopathic test and looked at the genes and they looked at them again years later and the genes had changed. And so um, so I don't know if it's an epigenetic thing, uh, but I I don't know. I thought that was an interesting tidbit. That, you know it, it's funny that you say that because essentially you're describing what rheumatology does. Mm-hmm. Like anti-malarial drugs or like Humira are what's given to people who have autoimmune disorders. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because when you listen to their commercials at night, you know, on the evening news, it says, uh, should I be given to people who have compromised immune systems? Or who have TB. Or, or right, or yeah. TB or whatever. Because why? Because essentially you're shutting down that pathway. That's what medication does. They say... We figured out a way to shut down this pathway. Not necessarily reverse the methylation cycle to where they're producing more antioxidants. That's what not medication... Medication doesn't produce more antioxidants. Medication shuts down that pathway where homocysteine is being produced, right? So, like, for example, if you said, okay, let's go back to homocysteine again. I have elevated homocysteine. My doctor told me that I'm at risk for Alzheimer's. What do I take? He said to take ibuprofen every day. Why? Because it reduces inflammation. It's an inset, right? That's essentially what it is. That's traditional medicine's approach 
to natural anti-inflammation is incense. That's about, I mean, it's white willow bark, right? So, mm -hmm. all right, or is it boswellia? White willow bark's aspirin. Aspirin, yeah. There we go, okay. So, so then essentially uh, you have the other approach, which is the natural approach, to say, okay, well, instead of shutting down that pathway, what if you just shifted the pathway to where you activated this pathway instead, right? You just, it's almost like when someone is directing traffic, right? Instead, just that officer is directing traffic, shift them to the left now and tell this one to stop, right? That's essentially what we're looking at. Because if you look at regenerative medicine, like the Human Genome Project and all that that's been going on, it's fascinating because essentially they're at the point now where they can say, I know that your fetus and a mother who's pregnant of like eight weeks or so, that they're going to have blue hair. They're going to have green eyes, just some weird thing. Do you want them to have blue eyes and yellow hair? Okay, cool. We can change it because we saw that the genetic pathways are going to be mutated to where they're going to have this. And if you want, we can switch the gene on and turn this one off and then you'll always have blue eyes and yellow hair. Essentially, they're doing the same thing when it comes to Down syndrome, right? Because they will check a woman at week 16 and say, guess what? Your kid's going to have Down syndrome. Yeah, we can tell genetics are off. We can't fix it. We can't switch. They're not telling, hey, you can switch Down syndrome. We can reverse it. They're going to just say, do you want to abort it? Right? That's, once again, let's just shut it down. Right? And so I think with regenerative medicine and even vitamins for that matter, vitamins are regenerative. Right? Because essentially, if your body's always going to be chronically suppressed because whatever 200 or 300 different autoimmune disorders there are, it doesn't matter. Right? You still have a compromised immune system and you're not producing antioxidants. So your body needs more of glutathione, anti-cysteine, those pathways that are going to reduce inflammation. And so, you know, one of the questions I was going to ask you, because you deal with herbs, you deal with biochemistry, you deal with vitamins, what is, what is essentially like the best methylation supplement we could take, whether it's food or, or a vitamin? Ah, well, so yeah, so again, uh, <laughs> best is kind of a, a, a relative term, depending on the person. I love the trimethylglycine, I mean, for myself and for others, because it's pretty gentle. Mm -hmm. It also helps with hydration and that kind of thing, and it's really safe. Like, runners load up a bunch on that because it just it basically inflates the cells with a whole bunch of water because it's an osmoregulator. Um, but one of my other favorite ones is MSM. But MSM, methyl sulfonamethane, there's kind of a double-edged sword there because uh, it... What I've kind of experienced, I mean, the, the data shows it dramatically reduces inflammation. Most people use it for joint issues and sure. osteoarthritis and that kind of thing. But um, the double-edged sword side of it is like, um, besides the detox effects of the liver that it also does, it, it kind of, uh, it feels kind of like to me that it's kind of like increasing cellular permeability just because those, those methyl ions are kind of like gatekeepers. Like they help it... Uh, they help certain things like methylcobalamin get into fatty tissue like in the brain or in the lymph system and that kind of thing. And so whenever I do like really um, high doses of the um, MSM, like I'll usually only do it if I'm doing like a liquids mm -hmm. cleanse because um, normally I'll just take like 2,000 milligrams or so like a teaspoon. Sure. But uh, I'll get up to like, to like tablespoons when I'm doing like a cleanse. Uh -huh. um, so... It, it's really just like start, you just start releasing and purging all of this stuff and like one of the things that we kind of see with it is it kind of dissolves a lot of this uh, a lot of calcium phosphate and calcium oxalate build up in different places in the body so it just starts unlocking all of these toxic things and that's why I only do it during liquids cleanses because I'm just flushing it out um, but I love it for that I love it for, for the joint pain and activating those liver pathways of course the methyl B vitamins methylcobalamin, methylfolate, and P5P. Um, so those are amazing for that. But again, those those you're kind of taking in a smaller dosage typically. It's more like a sort of small dose on a daily basis. Um, whereas with the TMG and the MSM, you can kind of load up on it a little bit and like really get those detox pathways going if you want to. Um, so that's kind of why I like those. Um, Choline is another really safe one. I mean, because again, it's a tetramethylator and like you need it for your neuro, 
um, for the phospholipids in your neurons, like phosphatidylcholine, mm -hmm. um, other forms of choline like alpha-GPC and citicholine convert really easily into acetylcholine, which helps with focus, memory, and learning. Yep. So like most people, when they're going for cognitive enhancement, they typically turn to stimulants like Adderall or caffeine. Sure. You know, like, that might promote alertness, right. but that doesn't mean that you're cognitively going to be functioning better. It's not the same receptors. Yeah, no, it's not the same receptors, and like you might be, if, if your cognitive performance is slipping because you're so tired, then increasing alertness can help. But if you need like focus and memory and learning and like retaining that and being able to focus on something for a long period of time, acetylcholine is amazing. Like I said, it's a, it's a tetramethylator. But so, I mean, even with the TMG, if you have enough TMG, trimethylglycine, the betaine, if you have enough of that to offset the homocysteine, you're going to spare more of your choline for your brain. And then the other thing is the choline will also help direct um, cholesterol throughout the body. Like if you have a deficiency in choline, the first thing you'll see is non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and steatosis and stuff. Um, so what it does is it actually picks up the, the cholesterol and directs it like a traffic cop. Hey, you go there, you go there, move these fats over here. Um, so, I mean, it's essential for, for brain function making. It makes the layers of the, of the brain cells, right? I mean, that's essentially what, it's, the, it's making the cell, the brain cell membrane, yeah. right? So, like, from what I've understood is this, the phosphatidylcholine, phosphatidylcholine, the phosphate is essentially the fat part, right? And that part is going in there and lining the, the cell membrane to make it permeable. And then the choline is actually causing the synapses from one brain cell to another in order to have that cognitive ability for the brain in order to function. Right, yeah. and so I've always understood choline as one of the most magical things that everyone should take. Like everyone should be taking choline. I know yeah. if Kevin were here, we try he, would, he would go off yeah. on why everyone should be yeah. taking choline. But I've I love for the fact that every time that I look and talk about choline, it goes back to the gut, the liver, and the brain, right? Because essentially it's doing the same thing. And I've told everyone from day one when you do a gut detox, you know, you hear and you you've done. I mean, you talked about MSM. Detoxes, like you've done so many more different detoxes than everyone else has done. I mean, Bala's even done a water fast, which is a huge detox, but it's a different form of detox, right? I always tell people, like, how many times do you do a liver detox, right? Because essentially, like, you always have to do that, right? So you always need sulfur in your body because now you found out through methylation, your body was designed to have sulfur. Your body needs sulfur, right? It need, it, you don't even need B12. You just need the methyl part, the sulfur group of cobalamin in order to function, right? In order to kick that pathway into overdrive where you produce more ATP and all that. Now, we've talked about antioxidants. You've talked about choline, all right? And choline has led into the brain, and I wanted to kind of talk in about brain health real quick since we're already on the subject of choline. So when it comes to the methylation cycle, it's essential that we are getting enough methyl groups and methyl donors in our brain in order to function, right? Because we talked about the, the homocysteine connection to the brain, right? Anticytylcysteine and glutathione go to the brain. Another pathway that's in there is also taurine, right? Taurine goes to the brain, right? All of these things cross the blood-brain barrier, right? Tell us what the blood-brain barrier is and how hard it is to cross that with medication. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and even certain supplements. I mean, so... Um, so the blood-brain barrier, it's, it's only permeable to certain things. Now, that being said, elevated stress and elevated stress hormones like cortisol eventually will start to thin the intestinal lining, which leads to intestinal permeability and more endotoxins get in your blood. So like basically toxins being produced by microbes and fungi actually get in the blood when they should just be stuck in the intestinal tract. So when that starts to occur, also the thinning of the intestinal lining starts to thin the blood-brain barrier. Um, so that is kind of a danger that normally the blood-brain barrier is very difficult to get through and there's very few things uh, that will get through it. Um, so usually something with a methyl group or an acetyl group, uh, depending on what it is, can help get through there. Um, so like L-tyrosine is an amino acid, um, helps. it's one of the precursors to dopamine, but then if you have NALT and acetyl L-tyrosine, now it actually gets the L-tyrosine into the brain. Whereas before, the L-tyrosine has to be converted into some other form. Um, there's also, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's just, there's other, there's other forms of... Um, 
seed oil glutathione. There's like a, I mean, that's, yeah. I think there's even like a seed oil carnitine, a seed oil. Yeah, I mean, that's so what, I'm yeah. guessing that carnitine versus acetyl L carnitine, that one actually gets into the brain uh, because of that acetyl group. So you need these little tags yeah. that help unlock it and get into the brain because your, your brain is trying to keep out toxins and things that shouldn't be there. Right. Um, and so the intestinal permeability and the blood-brain permeability causes huge problems for the brain. Because like what we were talking about earlier with the immune system and the reactive oxygen species and oxidative stress, your brain does the same thing. It uses that as a feedback loop where it's like we're firing, we're sending signals, and then there's oxidative stress. And now we have to replenish certain things. We have to kind of clean up the mess so that we can reset and do it all over again. And so if you have this unchecked inflammation or a permeable blood-brain barrier, and now you're getting this inflammation that's chronic in the brain, mm -hmm. we're starting to see that leading to anxiety and depression and all of these things. And, um, you know, like there are some times where anxiety and depression is a, is a natural reaction to stress or to uh, just issues going on in your life like maybe you're not processing some emotion or maybe you're at a job that you hate or something like that and so sometimes there's depression from the lifestyle issue uh, but there's also this thing of just unchecked brain inflammation which could come from medications or chronic stress or um, permeable blood brain barrier and permeable intestinal tract because it's well, the same thing yeah right? and when yeah. so many stresses around we learned last week we also had the dr parsley here at the sleep doctor oh, nice. and we talked that. about how like you know if you have a compromised like sleep pattern like that's the only time your brain ever detoxes is during sleep so if you're not sleeping because like you're working all day or you're stressed out or you're worried about this then all these tox toxicity building up is just not getting done so then it just creates even more of a cycle of inflammation in the brain right? I've literally yeah. referred to that podcast episode like three or four times with different clients already yeah. no one is sleeping well enough <laughs> yeah and it's, it's true it's true because they're you know what's funny is that I, I told you I was doing the six day um, water fast. fast two of those days because um, we track our sleep with the sleep cycle app I had seven hours straight of just deep sleep and it was like I had so much freaking energy even though like I had no nutrients quote unquote because of no eating um, I just, I was focused and very, like, I mean, I was very replenished as far as energy goes. I probably did look a little malnutritioned or something. I have no idea. Some people said, hey, you could look kind of tired, but I was like, I don't. I'm not tired. I'm actually feeling amazing. Yeah, yeah. It gives your body time to, like, reset all that stuff. Reset the immune system. Like, I think it was a Stanford study where three days of, like, water fasting and reset the immune system and it starts to activate stem cells, like you were saying, too, yeah. for healing. Because um, most of our energy, like I think it's like 80% of our energy, basically goes to just metabolizing our food on a daily basis. And it used to be we would hunt an animal, and we'd kill it, and we'd eat it, and we'd have feast, and then we'd have famine because we got to find a new animal. So we would like feast for a while, and our body metabolizes that, and then we'd have this stretch where we're coasting down off of that and not have food, and then our body has to reset it itself and detox all this stuff but now we have food all the time all day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we don't have a stress for that we have different other stresses like we had the stress was how am i going to eat <laughs> like how am i going to eat or how am i gonna, not going to die out here when the sun goes down right because that wolf's back there you know i mean now it's more like ah shit man they didn't have my gluten-free pizza like i wanted <laughs> and now i'm gonna have to go all the way across town to the other whole foods and go get it there. Like, that's bullshit. Like, you know? And traffic. And sit traffic. And then, and then they don't even have curbside service at this location. Like, God bless. I have to walk inside to get my pizza? Yeah. This guy, that guy was trying to kill something with a spear. He's like, I saw a squirrel go by. I'm going to try to kill my for my dinner. And he's like, oh, shit, I missed. I'm going to have to go catch that rabbit now. I mean, essentially, it's like, we're so damn lazy that we even have an app that's basically say, I don't even want to get up out of this chair. Somebody can come bring me some food. I'm just going to basically hold out my hand yeah and yeah. anything i want it'll be in my in my hand in 10 minutes mm -hmm. well it it's one of the trickiest things is <laughs> it's not even actual stress that causes um the issues it's perceived stress so yeah there was a study that they did yeah. on just women uh but it applies to men just as much but they were looking at women and cortisol and hormone con connections so like like let's say one lady was a you know housewife 
doesn't have a job, has people who do the cleaning and stuff, and she only has two kids, but she has all these perceived stresses and things that she hates about her life, she has more elevated cortisol than the lady with four kids who runs her own businesses, doing PTA stuff and all that stuff, but she loves her life. She doesn't see it as a stress. She sees it as a joy. That lady actually has less cortisol, even though she's doing way more on a daily basis. And so it's the perceived stress, not the actual stress. And so the danger of that is... We're watching the news and we see famine, war, death, AIDS, like all this stuff. And our brain starts to think that that, what we're seeing, is the actual ratio of negative to positive thing happening in the world. And so our amygdala starts to entrain to that and is on the lookout all the time, looking for threats on the horizon. Or like you said, sitting in traffic. And we're just like angry, like sitting in traffic. Or, you know, some idiot that I work with that I hate. You know, and I'm sitting, you know, in the other cubicle, and I'm like, friggin' John over there, you know, doing this thing. And, and so we just have this chronic dripping of, like, cortisol, like, all the time. And it's, well, we were talking about, like, the Joe, Dis, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Dispenza, and we're talking about the quantum physics and the ability of your, of your, basically your brain to change your body for a perceived event coming in the future. And if that perceived event is stressful, then you're creating just inflammation in your body. So that's yeah, interesting yeah. To, to look at it that way, too. And, and he, <laughs> yeah, he actually said, like, your, I love the way he puts it, he said, your body is the unconscious mind. Sure. And, yeah. uh, and he was like, what that means is your body cannot tell the difference between an actual stressful event or a stressful event that you're thinking about and imagining. Whether it's imagining a future stressful thing that could happen, so-and-so breaking up with me, or if I don't get the promotion, or reliving a past experience. I'm like, oh, God, that was so embarrassing when blah, blah, blah happened. Yeah. Your body can't tell the difference, and it releases the neurotransmitters as if it's actually happening now. Yeah. But the same thing, you can create amazing things in your future. It's like you can't wait to feel, you can't wait for your healing to feel whole. You can't wait for your financial success, success to feel abundant. You can't, um, you know, like wait for somebody external to validate you and feel love like love yourself now and you'll see more of that love because the reticular activating system in your brain you put your focus on those things feeling abundant feeling whole and healthy and that kind of thing and you start seeking out and seeing those patterns and your brain goes oh this is important you want more health here it is here's the answers you've been looking for you know you want more love here's the answers you've been looking for it's kind of like when you get your red car, or like a specific car, you keep seeing the same car over yeah. and over again. Yeah. <laughs> the reticular Or like in women's sense, right? Like, you know, you, they'll prepare the bodies for, for pregnancy, even though, or for having a baby, even though they were not even planning that, right? Or something like that. Like, yeah. your well, body it's, prepares it's, itself. Your, your body prepares itself, and also the things that you choose to focus on, your brain will start telling you, hey, this is important, this is important, and you'll repeatedly, like the car thing, you'll start seeing it over and over again, you'll start hearing it over and over again, like writing your goals down. Your brain goes, oh, that's what's important to you? Cool, let's pick and choose those things. Um, but yeah, yeah, the... It's the reward pathway. It's yeah. right, I mean, it's essentially what it is. It's the pleasure zone, right? Like, what activates dopamine? Chocolate, heroin, Right? Sugar. Cocaine. Yeah. Cocaine. <laughs> Sugar. I mean, that's essentially what it is, right? Those pleasure zones, right? And the part of the brain, is it the amygdala or is it uh, what, what part of the cortex is, is pleasure zone? I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. I can't remember I, right now. Oh. It's not the amygdala. It's not, not the amygdala. I was going to say medulla. Well, whoever's listening, oh, somebody chime in, or whoever's watching at home. But uh, yeah, essentially. Someone's it, on Google right yeah, now. Yeah, someone's listening. <laughs> I'm going to look up yeah, and uh, be able to answer your trivia in a second. But going back to it, the pleasure receptors uh, are dopamine, right? They're serotonin, right? What we've learned in practice uh, from some of the testing and the research that we've done is that the stress that you're talking about, you know, perceived stress, anxiety, depression, literally is caused from pathways in our body that basically switch into inflammatory pathways that drain our body full of serotonin, drain our body full of dopamine, right? The idea when people take, you know, things like antidepressants is not that they're not producing enough serotonin, it's just that they're not absorbing it, right? Like, I mean, it's, it's kind of like you want more serotonin to stick around so you're going to be more, you know, happy and you're going to be more pleasurable when you're doing, you know, certain things throughout the day. But essentially you're saying, well, why is there not enough serotonin 
being circulated enough, right? Like, why do you only... If you have, like, three serotonins that are floating around, you're like, well, we got to save these, so make sure they stay in circulation because you used to produce 300, now you're only producing three, right? So that's what antidepressant pills do is they save those threes and make sure you absorb at least those three. Well, imagine, like, you were to say, and going back to that methylation pack, uh, pathway, let's say that you eat uh, or you take tryptophan, right? L-tryptophan. And so tryptophan, one of the essential amino acids, uh, comes from turkey, Right, so you know the old saying when you go to Thanksgiving, you eat turkey and you get sleepy. It's melatonin production, is what everyone tells you. But why does some people get sleepy and others don't? Mm-hmm. Right, some people produce more melatonin than others because that pathway is activated. Because tryptophan goes either to melatonin, it goes to serotonin, it goes to dopamine, it can go even to protein. But then in our research, it goes into inflammatory pathways that are signals in the brain saying your chronic cortisol is basically depleting all your serotonin production, okay? So it doesn't matter how much Prozac or Zoloft that you're going to take, if you're not methylating your tryptophan correctly into serotonin or dopamine, you don't want to up the dosage. You're basically saying check the pathways and see are you not metabolizing tryptophan into 5-HTP, Right? Are you deficient in B6 and P5P, which is causing you a lack of production of dopamine? Are you not getting enough uh, BH4 and BH2? Right? And essentially, that's what's going on. So I think even the methylation cycle, vitamin B9 and B12, you can even look at it saying, instead of just taking Prozac or Zoloft all the time, maybe you're not methylating correctly, take your vitamins and your supplements and actually you know that you're natural antidepressants. Yeah. I mean, I would, yeah. Two of the things that I would start people on most of the time, like for that, what you're saying is like a, a good multivitamin with the methylated B vitamins and you know other good forms uh, of vitamins to cover any potential nutrient gaps and then like some kind of adaptogen, like I like ashwagandha, rhodiola, rosea, to take the body out of the fight or flight response and then it starts to use the vitamins instead of depleting everything and going, I just got to survive for the next 10 minutes. Sure, sure. You know, and then it actually goes out of fight or flight into growth and development. For most people, that moves the needle for them and it's like, oh, okay, wait, it was one of those vitamins I was missing and I was in a stress state all the time. And when you just kind of flip that script, it's like happiness comes naturally. I mean, like one of the things like with depression, I mean, it's like, the dopamine thing, if you if that pathway is clogged and it's broken down, it's like you might do something good or you might achieve a goal or something that used to make you happy and you're just like, and there's no dopamine there to meet it. And you're like, what does it even matter? What's the point? Like, I don't even care anymore. You yeah. Because there's no dopamine there. And it's like, you should be feeling happy. Mm-hmm. But that pathway is clogged or, you know, or you're missing either one of the conversion factors or, or it's inflamed it's, I mean, yeah there's something going on and it's it's causing the pathway to shift and the traffic to be directed to somewhere else and it's incredible because as we understand pathways more in the body we understand it's just how we how we function this is how we metabolize going back to again why do peanuts cause your throat to close up and mine not to i metabolize it differently and as you've come to find in all your genetic testing all the chemicals that are basically going into our food products, basically our household products, they're altering our genes in a way to where now we don't metabolize bread the way we used to. We don't metabolize dairy at all like we should have. You know, but then this is all man-made inflictions. Could autoimmune disorders be man-made, man-created? Very much so, right? I mean, you used to have things like lupus that was like genetic, right? And now you talked about the Epstein-Barr. That's an autoimmune disorder, right? Like eventually you got it from mono, you get Epstein-Barr. But what happens? You have a dormant viral infection that awakens due to what? Chronic stress. I mean, what the hell is shingles, right? You got chicken pox when you're younger. All of a sudden you flipped out for some reason, right? And all of a sudden you're like, God, I got all these bumps on my arm. I mean, my kid last night, he was screaming because he didn't want to go to bed. And all of a sudden he started getting these hives on on his skin. He started itching. He was crying and it caused stress and it caused inflammation, like directly right there. That's a pathway right there, right? So the, the true key with methylation is dealing with stress and inflammation in your body, right? I mean, that's essentially what methylation is. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, and I'm glad you brought up the, uh, the autoimmunity thing again because that is um, one of the things that, that, uh, that Professor Trevor Marshall was talking about. Like you were talking about Humira, which is uh, adulimumab. There's another one called Ruxtamab, and so they like they were testing, um, they were testing like when they test for rheumatoid arthritis, they look for beta autoantibodies, and this drug Ruxtamab, they 
lowered the beta autoantibodies to almost zero, but they still had the symptoms of the pain and that kind of thing. So that was one of the things that caused this guy, Professor Trevor Marshall, to like, maybe the antibodies are not the problem. Maybe there's some hidden infection in there. But like one of the things he did, he used Olmosartan, which is a statin, but it also competes with the vitamin D receptor. And so it basically outcompeted the virus and their inflammation went up, and this is why I'm bringing this back up, is their inflammation went up and their symptoms got worse mm -hmm. for a while, but then after a few years, they started to go down because their immune system actually fought off the infection and got rid of it. But so the reason I'm bringing this up as well is they were finding that um, electronic devices and different things like that, they, they used an electronic device, three millivolts, to pulse into the room, and the people who had... Um, fibromyalgia, their symptoms went uh, way down. Their symptoms went extremely down when this little thing, three millivolts, was pulsing in the room. This is like a, a hundred times weaker than a cell phone. But then when they put a cloth on their head that had a silver wire in it to shield out the, um, the, the basically the EMFs, the electromagnetic frequencies from that device, their symptoms went extremely bad, went extremely worse. But it's because we have all these electronic devices that are shielding off, um, basically they're, they're turning down our immune system response, and it allows some of these infections to kind of build up in certain areas, and they, they'll hide in cells, they'll hide in different tissues of the body, they'll hide in different organs, like the thyroid or different places. Um, so we have this chronically depressed immune system, and then whenever it shielded them from the, uh, from the EMF waves, it, their immune system kicked back on and their symptoms got way worse because the immune system kind of wakes up and goes, oh God, what's happening? Oh, shoot, shoot, get rid of them! And try to get all this stuff away. Um, but stress does a similar thing, that chronic stress, your body's like, we don't care about an infection that's gonna kill us weeks or years from now, we care about the tiger that's chasing us, it's gonna kill us now. Mm -hmm. And so we have all of these different things, the stress, pollutants, the too much electromagnetics fog or smog all around us, mm -hmm. kind of turning down the immune system, and the body's like, oh, we got to survive for like the next few minutes, because I'm afraid that I'm not going to make it, um, but it, it kind of comes back full circle with the inflammation thing of like, we get things back online in our body and like the detox symptoms of the methylation pathway, your body goes, oh crap, well now we have the nutrients where we can actually get rid of this stuff and it starts purging it and we're like, oh man, I feel terrible. Yeah. And it's like, cause you have, it, it's like cleaning your room by throwing everything in the closet, you know, it's like, we'll deal with it later and it may help for like right now, you know, somebody's gonna come over like your mom or your girlfriend or something and you're like quick just hide it and our body's kind of doing the same thing and it's like we'll deal with this later just store it in the liver yeah. or in the fatty tissue we're like oh we'll just we'll deal with that later we gotta survive yeah uh but then when you start cleaning it out you're like oh god i forgot i piled all this stuff in the closet and now i have to take it out and i gotta reorganize it and i gotta actually make this function again yeah and so um so it yeah it kind of just comes full circle that there's so just clean your room every day yeah, yeah, clean your room every day, clean your body every day, clean yeah. the liver. Dude, yeah, liver know, detox um, liver every detox. day, right? Every day. I mean, that's... Man, every time someone <laughs> comes in here and they're like, what the hell is Slenderella? I'm like, it's a liver detox. Like, well, why do I need a liver detox every day? I even saw a doctor recently say... It was a head of... Uh, I think it was an article with the doctor who was a specialist of the liver at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York said you don't need to do a liver detox constantly because you get your nutrients you need for the detox from your foods, like your fruits and vegetables, comma, if you eat enough of them. If you eat enough of them, yeah. And then I'm like, well, I'm not eating 10 pounds of broccoli when I could just take broccoli powder or the extract, which is the I3C, right? The I3C, yeah. the I3Carbonyl. Yeah, and then, of course, you would do, uh, you know, high doses glutathione or anacetylcysteine, right? And so, and like... And a shot, like, you know, all that. Because, because of the metabolism issues, right? It's weird. It's kind of like our hack, right? Because you talked about the first pass issue, like there was a CYP450, right? Mm -hmm. So that, that idea is that essentially that's part of the first pass, is that when you take something in, it's broken down, it's metabolized, the liver has those things in there because there's like hundreds of them, right? Like yeah, different yeah. versions of them that basically take whatever you're doing, break it down and say, okay, 
cholesterol's going here, uh, B12 is going to go over there, glucose is going to go there, and you know fat's going to go over here. And if most medicine is taken that way, then you're going to have like only 30% of that medicine be uh, actually absorbed after the breakdown through the first pass system, right? And so I want 100% of glutathione. Right, I want a hundred percent of N-acetylcysteine, or at least close to it. Right, so a shot like in an IM or an IV of glutathione and N-acetylcysteine bypasses all that. So now you have something that's so potent that it's going to be direct anti-inflammation to the body, to the gut, to the liver, to the brain. And I think that long-term research is going to show that eventually these are going to be included in traditional meds. But I have a feeling that they're going to be prescription-based, like what you had talked about before. They're they're halfway right. Like think about it. For them to say. Let's have a, a, a prescription that has P5P, methyl B12, methyl B9. That's leaps and bounds where we were, like, you know, even 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's huge. And, I mean, even, like, what you were saying in, in hospitals, if they even suspect you're overdosing on Tylenol, like you're going into liver failure, they'll give you a gram of N-acetylcysteine every three hours for, like, 72 hours because it's so safe, but it's also so effective at building the glutathione back up. Um, but yeah, I mean, so the glutathione as well, like, um, so I, I love broccoli and this is why with my new book, it's like, I'm kind of, um, I'm getting away from like every, like, this is the best diet for everyone because like there's a CSB gene, the cystathionine beta synthase that I'm like broccoli and cruciferous vegetables are the best ever for everyone. But if you have that defective gene and you don't make the enzymes to metabolize it, like sure. Yeah. Broccoli is good for you. But for some people, it's toxic. And for some, like, because it just builds up all this crap you don't need. And so there are certain things now with modern medicine and modern science that we can circumvent those kinds of things. Hell yeah, with supplement with vitamins. <laughs> That's the best way about it. So, well, damn, I guess we're going to have to have you on again for part three. You know, continue on. We'll have to find something else to talk about. Like, you know, that's going to be hard. So, all right, so. Zach, how do we find you if somebody wanted to take on your coaching because it sounds like you have so much to offer. Uh, we need to get into all the, the, the spiritual, emotional well-being of the, of the body. Uh, how do they find you? Um, so you can look up the Wake Up Workout Challenge on uh, Facebook. There's a Facebook group. It's open. You can join it. Um, you can find me on Facebook under Zach Nasser, Z-A-C-H-N-A-S-R. Um, but yeah, definitely join the Facebook group. There's a lot of awesome stuff there. Um, I also teach classes at Deer Lake Lodge, and the protocol that they do for cleansing is the protocol that I developed based on functional medicine principles. Um, so yeah, there's those are the ways that are best to get a hold of me right now. Yeah, and just reach out to him. You got a question? I guarantee you, he'll probably have an answer for it. So that's pretty cool. Nine times out of ten. Nine times out of ten. All right, cool. I'll take those odds. All right. Well, Zach, thank you for coming on. Ball in the wrap. Thanks, guys. Up. No, we're good. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys.